Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Wednesday, wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. We got a bunch of stories to dive into. Right off the top, I'll give you the absolute latest. We talked about yesterday how I believed the most interesting primary race that was going to be taking place yesterday was the Republican Senate primary. And as I am looking right now, Dr. Oz has about a 2,100, if I'm doing the math right, uh, 2,100 vote lead over Dave McCormick uh, to advance to take on uh, Pennsylvania's uh, John Fetterman, who's the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania right now. Uh, That breaks down to 31.3% of the vote for Dr. Oz to 31.1% for Dave McCormick again. Based on my math, which is always a little bit unreliable, about a 2,100 vote differential out of over 1.3 million votes cast in the state of Pennsylvania Uh, as we continue to track this one. It's going to be a monster battle because the Republican sitting senator, Pat Toomey, is stepping down. And so it is an open seat and it is going to be an absolute war in the state of Pennsylvania to see who manages to go ahead and end up winning there. Uh, Wanted to give you some good news. We are starting to slowly stack a bunch of wins. um, And those wins are coming as truth and justice and reality and sanity all become the coin of the realm. Uh, Earlier today, the Ministry of Truth, uh, as it was labeled, Nina Jankowitz, who is the disinformation board czar, despite the fact that she had been spreading a ton of disinformation herself online for some time, uh, my colleague, uh, co-host Buck Sexton, labeled her the Mary Poppins, uh, Soviet Mary Poppins, because she sang along Uh, with a disinformation jingle on Twitter, which was wildly uncomfortable. She's resigned. The entire existence of the Ministry of Truth has been paused. And the Washington Post was upset by this. They're the ones who broke the news. And they tried to play this as some sort of win for the far right wing in unfairly holding Nina Jankowitz responsible for the things that she had tweeted. All I said, and I talked about this on this show and certainly on Clay and Buck, I said, look, the government shouldn't have a minister of truth. It shouldn't happen. There shouldn't be someone, and if there was going to be someone in that role, first of all, it's far too Orwellian to exist, but if someone was going to be in that role, it certainly shouldn't be someone who spread all sorts of factual inaccuracies. Why would we trust that person to be the arbiter of truth in a social media space? It makes no sense. And so uh, I applaud the fact that she has stepped down and that this entire ministry of truth may cease to exist. But such an unforced error by the Biden administration to actually make the decision to even bring this up in the first place. It's just totally nonsensical. And it continues my feeling that the Biden administration yesterday was the NBA draft lottery. I feel like the Biden administration is tanking to try to get the overall number one draft pick because every choice they make is the wrong one. 
and you're seeing massive uh, amounts of the American body politic, people of all different stripes and persuasions who are lining up and saying, inflation's at a 40-year high. The border is at an all-time high for crossings. Murders in many cities are approaching all-time highs. Uh, We've got a war in Europe. We've got baby formula shortages. We can't even feed babies. The Biden administration, I thought, would be bad. It's far worse than I ever anticipated would be possible. And I don't see anything on the horizon that's making me think, hey, things are getting better under Joe Biden. As we are speaking, the stock market is down a whopping amount, over 1,100 points in the Dow right now, nearly 1,200 points in the Dow. The S&P 500 is down over 4%. We are rapidly approaching negative territory for the entire Biden administration in terms of where stock prices have gone. This is just an unmitigated disaster, and I don't see it getting better. I wanted to talk about this. I talked about it a little bit yesterday. Chuck Schumer demanded that Fox News fire Tucker Carlson because an 18-year-old went who was psychotic, went to Buffalo and shot those 10 innocent people at the grocery store. And there's no mention, I went and did research on this psycho, there's no mention of Tucker Carlson that I can see in any of his writings or any suggestion that he ever watched Tucker Carlson's show. He appeared to get lost in the fringes of the internet. And I want to mention something that I think should be a huge part of this discussion, and I say this as a father of three boys myself. This was an 18-year-old. Where does parental responsibility weigh in here? The person who is responsible for mass shootings is the person who does the mass shooting, period. It's not who the president is. It's not who's on television. It's not who they listen to. The person who does the mass shooting is responsible. But if we wanted to discuss who else might be responsible, it wouldn't be a media figure. There are millions of people who listen to my radio show that believe all sorts of things. I'm not responsible for what they believe. It's an insane argument to make. When a Bernie Sanders supporter shot Steve Scalise and almost killed him, during the middle of a practice for the House Republican softball team, nobody came out and said, Bernie Sanders has to resign because one of the volunteers on his campaign decided to shoot Republicans. Nobody on the Republican side sent letters to MSNBC demanding that they pull Rachel Maddow off the air. That's an illogical response. It's nonsense. But... It is fair to ask, I think, and I'm saying this as a parent of three boys, where were the parents here? Where were the parents of this 18-year-old who got a gun and went and killed 10 innocent people? How did they allow their 18-year-old son who was living at their home to become so radicalized And for that toxic cocktail of mental illness combined with the internet to lead us here, how did this happen with both of them home with this kid? 
Where is parental responsibility as a part of the discussion here? How did their kid get radicalized? How was he able to get a gun? How did he travel, scout, write a 180-page manifesto inside of their house and they do nothing about it? These are two civil engineers. They have money and resources to be able to aid and assist their children. How did we get here? If you're going to extend the prism of blame beyond the shooter, the next step should be How did these parents fail so horribly to understand what their child was doing? He planned this for months. He wrote a 180-page manifesto. He had talked about shooting everyone at his school. If you had a son who had been hospitalized for talking about shooting everyone at his school, would you allow him to have unfettered access to the internet? Would you allow him to have weapons? Would you allow him to have access to your cars to travel hours away to his heart's desire? I don't understand how we're not talking more about the failure of these parents and far less about media. Look, I try to monitor what my kids see on the internet. Do I do a great job of it? Probably not. But we have a public computer in a room, so when the kids are using it, you can walk by at any point and see what they're doing there. If my son was writing a 180-page manifesto, I think it would be hard for him to manage to do that for months without me seeing. And I know that raising children is challenging, particularly when they become teenagers. I've got a teenager in my house. I'll have a couple of teenagers here soon, additionally. But I do think a big part of this discussion should be how did these parents not see what was going on with their child? Particularly given all of the signs of how violent he was, of how predisposed he seemed to be to want to kill people, What were they doing that they managed to not stop this at all? And how did they not get him consistent treatment? And how, at a minimum, did they not keep weapons away from him and limit his access to cars and potentially the internet? These are all real questions that I think deserve to be asked if we are going to assess blame beyond the shooter himself. Because again, the shooters bear almost all of the blame individuals bear responsibility for their action. But if you're going to take the next step, I wouldn't go to the Republican Party and I wouldn't go to people who are on television and I wouldn't go to elected officials. I'd go with the mom and dad who live with him every single day. That would be where I would go. So just keep that in mind. Why are we not having that conversation? And right after that, we'll continue the discussion. But first, a momentary break. Speaking of failing kids, this should be, I believe, a bigger topic than it is right now. 1.2 million kids have disappeared from public schools since March of 2020 when we shut them down. Now, some of those kids have gone homeschooled. 
Congratulations to the parents who have taken control of their kids' education. Some of them have gone to private school. But hundreds of thousands of kids that would have otherwise been enrolled in schools have just disappeared. They don't have the internet at home. Remote learning did not work for them. They have somehow abandoned their education and entered into the larger workforce or the larger society. And they have abandoned their education in the process. How are we not talking about that 1.2 million number? That is a monstrously large number of kids that have gone missing from public schools. And how are we still not discussing and demanding consequences for everyone that told us we had to shut down schools falsely because they believed that was somehow going to limit the overall spread of COVID? It's just madness to me that this is not a bigger discussion. Elon Musk and his battle over buying Twitter continues, by the way, Twitter stock, I imagine, like every other stock just about on the planet right now, is down. Uh, Twitter is down over $1.50, nearly $20 below the purchase price that Elon Musk agreed to pay. Right now, as I'm speaking to you, Twitter is at $36.80 a share. Elon Musk agreed to pay $54.20, so we're talking about roughly an $18 discount which suggests that Elon Musk is not actually going to end up buying Twitter or at least not going to buy it for the amount that he said he would. Elon Musk just tweeted, In the past, I voted Democrat because they were mostly the kindness party. But they have become the party of division and hate, so I can no longer support them and will vote Republican. Now watch their dirty tricks campaign against me unfold with a popcorn emoji. I've written about my evolution from someone who voted Democrat for most of his life to repudiating the identity politics and cancel culture wing of the Democrat Party, which is now ascendant. I believe that boys should compete against girls in sports. I believe that the First Amendment should be robust and uninhibited. I don't believe in canceling people for opinions that you don't like. I don't believe that every time someone disagrees with you, it is evidence of racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia. I believe in traditional, traditional values. I'm not opposed to gay marriage. I'm in favor of birth control. But I don't believe that babies should be able to be aborted at nine months. I don't believe that there are more than two genders. Uh, I don't believe that it is heroic to decide that you don't want to be a boy or girl anymore. I don't believe that you should be able to start having gender-canceling surgery when you are 14 or 15 years old or even younger. I think all this is madness. And I think much of it is child abuse. I believe you shouldn't be mandated to wear masks. I think you should be able to go to school and that we never should have shut down. I think our government failed when it came to COVID. I don't believe the Russians colluded with Donald Trump. All of these things are firmly entrenched beliefs that you have to have to be a Democrat today. I reject all of them. And I understand Elon Musk. And I get asked sometimes, I was talking about this on Clay and Buck. 
People say, hey, how every day do you put on your gloves and fight when there's so much craziness out there? It's a good question. It's a fair question. I work 16, 18 hours a day, every single day, fighting for what I believe in. And the answer is because I really firmly believe that over time, we are going to win. And that all of the woke imbeciles that are trying to destroy America are going to lose. And we're going to see a red wave in 2022. And then I think we're going to see a Republican president elected in 2024. And then when that happens and the tides all begin to turn, and make no mistake, the tide is beginning to turn in a significant fashion. When all of that happens, then I will look back and I will say, well, that's a nice victory. And then I'll put on my boxing gloves and keep up the fight. Because I believe what I am advocating for is right and important and represents the best of American exceptionalism. So if I can persuade one or two people every day to join me on the side of sanity and to reject woke culture, identity politics, and the idea of cancel culture in general, that is going to be a win And every day, I think we're stacking a little bit more wins. And it's like building a program that ends up competing for a national championship. How do you do it? You get a little bit better every day. And I think that's what we're doing with OutKick. I think that's what we're doing with Clay and Buck. And I think that's what we're going to increasingly see in the country. Uh, I want to give credit. Nobody else is going to do it. Uh, The U.S. men have decided to take less money so the U.S. women can uh, make equal pay as members of the United States soccer teams. What do I mean by that? The biggest discrepancy in pay as it pertained to men and women's soccer teams, which became a huge story, was not the way the U.S. treated men's and women's soccer players. It was simply the fact that FIFA pays way more money in World Cup men's championship revenue than it does women's championship revenue. And that's not some example of sexism. That's simply a function of how much people care around the world about men's versus women's soccer. In the United States, we care a lot about women's soccer. That is a rarity. Most of the rest of the world doesn't care that much about women's sports. In fact, it is a sign of American exceptionalism that we care so much about women's soccer. Because for much of the Women's World Cup, if you just look at the brackets and you compare women's rights in the countries, you can almost predict who is going to win every single match solely based on how much freedom women have in those countries. Can't do that for men's because men's teams are far better uh, in terms of top to bottom. But for women, this is the data that is supposedly a sign of, uh, of sexism. It's not coming from the United States. It's coming from way more people around the world caring about the men's World Cup than the women's World Cup. According to the AP... FIFA gives $440 million 
for the Men's World Cup and just $60 million for the women. So one of the reasons why the men were making more was not because of anything that soccer was doing that devalued women's athletics. It was because FIFA prize money overwhelmingly rewards male soccer teams compared to women's. Why is that? Because men's television rights are far more valuable than women's because around the world, more people watch men's soccer than women's soccer. So the reason why women are now making more money by and large is because the men have agreed to make less. And most of the stories that you're going to see out there are not going to reflect that. So credit, if you want to give somebody credit, to the U.S. men's soccer team for sharing equally the pool of World Cup money um, compared to the pool of World Cup women's money. And here's an example. The men's team uh, earned $9 million for making it to the round of 16, whereas the women got just $4 million for winning the entire Women's World Cup in 2019. Uh, so that kind of gives you a sense of the different scale. If the men's team ever becomes really good and ever advanced in a significant way, which hopefully they'll do at some point, if they ever do that, the women are going to stand to benefit an enormous amount because the FIFA money, the World Cup money, is so much more substantial for the men there. Uh, Finally, I wanted to close with this. I haven't spent a lot of time talking about the... uh, about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. But I saw this story this morning in Axios and I said, my goodness, this is crazy. Maybe I should have spent more time talking about it. Maybe we should have directed that one of our OutKick writers full-time be assigned to the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Because according to data this morning, average number of social media interactions per published article by select topic The top two stories uh, from April to May while this trial has been going on. Number one, by a substantial margin, the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trial. Number two, Elon Musk. Big drop, Joe Biden. Then abortion, the Russia-Ukraine war, inflation, and COVID. Let me repeat this because I think I'm doing the math correctly here. More people care about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, that trial, than care about abortion, the Russia-Ukraine war, inflation, and COVID combined. Let me repeat that. The Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trial is so popular right now in America that more people care about uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard then care about the abortion story, the Russia-Ukraine war, inflation, and COVID combined. God bless America. Um, All right, this is going to be uh, a lot of fun uh, going forward as we continue to break down and stack wins, Uh, but I appreciate all of you. I'm running out now to go do, uh, you know, Jay Cutler has a podcast. I'm going to be his podcast guest today. Not sure when that's going to be distributed. I'll also be on Sean Hannity tonight. If you haven't checked it out, 
I was on Jesse Waters yesterday. I was on Fox and Friends this morning. Like I said, I'll be on Hannity tonight, but I'm running out now uh, to go do Jay Jay Cutler's podcast. I am Clay Travis. This has been Outkick, the show. DBAP, unless you need to ask about. Oh, by the way, sorry. I've got uh, the Mavs plus the points and the over tonight in the Western Conference Finals. Mavs plus the points and the over. See you guys. 